Hello and welcome to the Bitcoin and Global Finance Podcast with me, Jason Dean, in partnership with Luno Wallet and Exchange. Here we talk about all things Bitcoin and all things financial and try and make some sense of them. If you'd like to get in touch with me, then I'll give you some contact details at the end of this podcast. Or if you're listening on YouTube, you can just leave a comment below. Before we get stuck in today's rather juicy topic, I just want to acknowledge Luno's support in helping making this podcast possible. Luno is one of the world's leading cryptocurrency wallets and exchanges, trusted by over 5 million customers in 40 countries. Of course, it's no secret if you follow me on Twitter or Medium that I've been recommending Luno for some time, especially if you're new to the space, as it's got a lovely clear setup and it's an easy and secure way to buy, exchange or hold Bitcoin. And not just Bitcoin either, there's other cryptos as well, such as Litecoin, Ripple and Ethereum. Simply go to luno.com for the details or download the app, that's Luno, L-U-N-O, on your Android or Apple device. In fact, if you do that, are over 18 and based in UK or Europe, I'm going to give you £10 worth of Bitcoin, courtesy of Luno, absolutely free to get you started on the app. And the way I'll be doing that is by giving you a code at the end of this podcast and a little bit of guidance on how to do it. But in the meantime, it's great to have you here with me today as we dive into our chosen subject for this podcast. Now, this episode is called MicroStrategy is the Bitcoin as Roger Bannister is the four minute mile. And it was originally going to be based on an article I wrote a few weeks ago. However, in the last 24-48 hours, there's been quite a big update to this story. So it makes sense to kind of build it all into one podcast in one go. So let's begin. This all started when recently, and really without any warning, a piece of news hit the financial reporting outlets without really any fanfare or fuss. And it just caused a collective gasp among the cryptocurrency community. Now, this news was basically that a Nasdaq-listed company, MicroStrategy, had nonchalantly announced that it had purchased 21,454 Bitcoin for a call at $250 million, that's quarter of a billion dollars, including all fees and expenses. I mean, it was very much like um, it was as casual and as calm as your other half getting home from work and announcing that they got some petrol on the way home. You know, it could easily have been preceded with the words, oh, by the way, I, I did this. Now, I had heard of MicroStrategy just through reputation, but other than the fact that I'd seen it on the NASDAQ and I did remember that its logo looked a bit like Microsoft did in the 90s, I didn't know very much about the company itself. But actually, this makes perfect sense. Because it can't be a coincidence that the first company to secure significant amounts of Bitcoin for its, open quotation marks, Treasury Reserve Strategy, close quotation marks, is a company entirely dedicated to forward-thinking research and business intelligence. In other words, these guys had exactly the right mindset to consider Bitcoin as a real option. Think about it this way. These are very sharp people who have access to some of the best analytical tools in the industry. In fact, they probably created a lot of them. And many of the Fortune Global 500 now use those very same tools for their own applications. So here's the thing. If a future-focused company whose work is based on modeling likely outcomes for the future using cutting-edge data suddenly buys a lot of Bitcoin, what does that tell us about what's coming next? Well, before we have a look at the future, let's just take a quick look into the past because this may surprise you. The CEO of MicroStrategy is a chap called Michael J. Saylor. 
That's S-A-Y-L-O-R. And at the moment, he's kind of being hailed as this hero of Bitcoin purchasing. I mean, after all, he's made this historic move. He's he's put his company's money into this um, this very new asset class and given us a lot of very good reasons, which we'll come on to in a moment as to why he's doing it. But if you actually scroll through his timeline, he was famously anti-Bitcoin back in the day. And there's a tweet which goes around quite often with his name on, which maybe he regrets, maybe he doesn't. But it was posted on December the 19th, 2013. So Bitcoin wasn't even properly four years old. That was coming four or five years old. And that tweet read as follows. Bitcoin's days are numbered. It seems just like a matter of time before it suffers the same fate as online gambling. Now that's pretty negative and of course at the time it wasn't really anything unusual as many people were pretty derogatory about Bitcoin at that point. Now interestingly, Saylor did actually directly refer to this in his second press release, which we're going to come on to um, shortly as well in a moment. Now in that, he basically said he was wrong to have doubted Bitcoin back in the $600 range. And he's added a quote there where he said, I wish I knew then what I know now. And I'm sure that's the case because buying that Bitcoin then, of course, would have been considerably cheaper than buying it now. It's very much a kind of real life example of that sort of classic saying we have in the Bitcoin community, where someone says the best time to buy Bitcoin was five years ago. Well, the best, second best time, of course, is now. And that's exactly what Michael Saylor is doing. Now, as I mentioned at the start, there has been a development in this story since I wrote the original article. But I'm going to do this in chronological order because it kind of makes sense to do it that way. And what happened is back in uh, August, actually this was August the 11th this happened, um, Saylor used this kind of deliberate language in the press release that his company uh, produced on that date. And it was done in a way that seemed like a, a scene out of a film. You can just imagine this whole crisis going on and there's, there's you know, in terms of what's happening with the markets and the, the dollar and actually other currencies in the world as well. And this cool guy comes marching in with his shades on, takes a look at the situation and just casually announces the uh, solution to the whole problem, at least in his mind anyway. Now, to give you some example of that, let's consider this statement, which was, was in the press release. And this is a verbatim word for word. So this investment reflects our belief that Bitcoin, as the world's most widely adopted cryptocurrency, is a dependable store of value and an attractive investment asset with more long-term appreciation potential than holding cash. And he then went on to explain that the current financial landscape is creating long-term risk for our corporate treasury program and singles out in particular quantitative easing and political uncertainty as key reasons for that thinking. Now, all the statements in that press release are beautifully written, actually, and very eloquent, but none of them in themselves are a surprise for economists and analysts like myself, who work on or follow this stuff on a daily basis. What is most interesting is that out of all of the asset classes available for the company to purchase, they chose Bitcoin. Now, the press release seems to imply that consideration was given to alternatives, but I'm rather suspicious that they were really considered. I think they all were dismissed outright earlier on. And of course, it's only sometimes in retrospect that you get to see the whole picture. Because it was actually, if you go right back to the company's uh, second quarter earnings call, MicroStrategy actually made a little statement, which was kind of buried in a lot of the other statements that they were um, 
were making at the time. In it, they said that MicroStrategy would seek to invest up to $250 million in the next 12 months in, I quote, one or more alternative investments or assets, which may include stocks, bonds, commodities such as gold and digital assets such as Bitcoin, or indeed other asset types. And that was said on July the 28th. Now, it was pretty vague and it was pretty hidden away and everyone kind of picked it. Yeah, we're going to put $250 million into something. But that word Bitcoin wasn't really picked up except by one chap a week later, a gentleman by the name of Matt Walsh, who was a partner at Castle Island Ventures. Whilst reviewing the transcript of that earnings call, he'd picked up on that reference to Bitcoin and tweeted out, uh, on August the 5th, 2020, somehow missed this last week. MicroStrategy, a 1.2 billion publicly traded company, is diversifying its cash holdings to include Bitcoin. Now, it was only six days later that MicroStrategy put all 250 million straight into Bitcoin and thereby securing 21,454 Bitcoin for the company. There was another paragraph within that initial press release that I found really interesting, and I'm going to quote it again for you here. Saylor said, We find the global acceptance, brand recognition, ecosystem vitality, network dominance, architectural resilience, technical utility, and community ethos of Bitcoin to be persuasive evidence of its superiority as an asset class for those seeking a long-term store of value. Bitcoin is digital gold. Harder, stronger, faster and smarter than any money that has preceded it. We expect its value to accrete with advances in technology, expanding adoption and the network effect that has fueled the rise of so many category killers in the modern era. Well, I did say it was beautifully written. But it's also bold and delivered in a matter-of-fact fashion reminiscent of a judge handing down a verdict for a long and tricky case. This is clearly a man who is sold on his convictions. And then there's the investment level itself. I mean, this wasn't a spare few thousand earmark for a new fancy office printer that they decided they could do without for a while. This was an investment, remember, of quarter of a billion dollars of funds in a publicly traded company. And those funds, of course, have to be accounted for, particularly in a case where there are so many shareholders who will want answers if things go wrong. You've got to be really sure about what you're doing. There's no question that this was planned, it was processed and delivered in meticulous detail. This act was deliberate and it was unapologetic. Now, at the point I was making in my original article is that a move like this only seems impossible until someone actually does it. And I was kind of likening it to uh, Roger Bannister's uh, public and spectacular smashing of the belief that a human being could not run a mile in less than four minutes way back in 1954. Now since then of course this has happened hundreds thousands I have no idea how many times but it's a lot of times it's almost routine now but it's certainly common and there's no real fanfare when it's achieved other than maybe a pat on the back because the point is we now know it's possible and we now know that humans can do that and I suspect we'll see the same scenario play out with this situation. So while we've always known that it's technically possible for any company to buy Bitcoin, or for that matter, any other asset, and then add it to the balance sheet, the question was always going to be who would go first? Who would risk putting their head above the parapet? I mean, the question remains, what if they were wrong? 
At the same time, if you were to sit down and pick a company to make that first step, to break that kind of four-minute belief, if you will, it's so obvious that it would be this one, at least in retrospect anyway. Just think about it for a minute. MicroStrategy has credibility, it's successful, it's publicly listed, and it can't be accused of not knowing what it's doing, since its entire business model is based on understanding what's coming next. It really is a hard proposition to argue against, and frankly, you'd be daft to try. So, as sudden as MicroStrategy's announcement appears to be, you can bet it started a flurry of conversations in boardrooms across the civilized world in organizations of all sizes, because suddenly buying Bitcoin is a well-thought-out strategic play rather than a slightly mad outside bet. Buying Bitcoin is cool. Buying Bitcoin is sensible. But also, there will be a lot of people asking, what the hell is Bitcoin anyway? And why are we not buying it? And while many of these companies may not have the funds of this goal to risk, even with MicroStrategy's vicarious endorsement, many of them will be holding cash reserves of some sort. And those reserves are already devaluing at a faster rate than at any point in recent history. And since a company is legally obliged to protect their shareholders' positions, it's an issue that must be addressed sooner rather than later, even if it's ultimately via another asset. But in any case, whether the companies are large or small, they've just been given the green light to hold Bitcoin, or at the very least, seriously explore doing so. Now, that would normally be the end of the podcast with a few conclusions that we'd uh, then run through. But in the last 48 hours, something else happened. And again, it was quite unexpected. Because out of the blue, MicroStrategy announced that they bought more Bitcoin. And they hadn't just bought another little bit, they bought another $175 million worth. So that's what, $425 million worth of Bitcoin now sitting in their coffers. So that brings MicroStrategy's total to 38,250 Bitcoin. Now, when you consider it was just a month ago that the first investment was made, I couldn't help thinking at first that this was like an attempt at the world's largest dollar cost averaging purchase. Maybe it's just going to keep doing it over the next few months. Who knows? I mean, at this point, it seems like anything is, is possible and on the table. But again, this uh, activity was accompanied by a beautiful written press release. And there was one line in particular, which was a quote attributed to Michael Saylor directly, which really summed it up beautifully in this uh, wonderful handcrafted metaphor. And I'm quoting again. He said, we just had the awful realization that we were sitting on top of a $500 million ice cube that's melting. Clearly, but indirectly referring to uh, the inflation worries that lay ahead. However, this time he went a little bit further. Whereas most people, uh, including myself actually, had assumed that this was a hedge against almost certain inflation, as he even implied there, and a desire to protect those funds, he was actually thinking quite a lot bigger than that, because his next line really tells it all. And again, I'm going to quote directly. He said, this is not a speculation, nor is it a hedge. This was a deliberate corporate strategy to adopt a Bitcoin standard. Now, that's quite a statement. And that whole thinking is a step change in the corporate world. And while only one other company at the moment has publicly announced that they are buying Bitcoin at this point, MicroStrategy's reasoning is utterly unique. 
That other company, incidentally, is a company called Tahini, at least that's how I think it's pronounced, which I believe is a restaurant chain based in Canada. And they, they released a press release saying they were doing the same thing, although they haven't really been very open about how much they're buying and when it's going to happen. But in any case, in MicroStrategy's case, their share price jumped from $123 to $137 within 48 hours when they bought the first amount of Bitcoin back in August. And this time round, the effect has been similar. There has in fact been another price jump of over 9% to $155 within 24 hours of that transaction being announced. And in actual fact, it crept up a little bit more since then to about $167. But of course, that's just a summary with all the top line numbers. There's actually a lot more going on here when you dig beneath the surface. So let's just have a look at some of these numbers and have a little play with them just to see what uh, this really means in terms of the whole Bitcoin supply. So let's start again with Mark MicroStrategy's 38,350 Bitcoin. Now that represents 0.18% of the entire world's supply. And not just for now, this is for always. Now, just as importantly, Michael Saylor has made it clear that he intends for this investment to outlast his own tenure, stating, and I'm quoting again, I want something that I could put $425 million into for 100 years. So okay, from that, we can definitely conclude that his commitment of moving to a Bitcoin standard is a real one. And that Bitcoin, his Bitcoin, I suppose, won't be back on the market anytime soon. Now, that only leaves 99.82% of the total supply available for everyone else. But of course, that's not really the case. There are other companies who hold um, quite large amounts of Bitcoin. Block One reportedly holds around 140,000 Bitcoin, which is approximately 0.66%. Uh, and Grayscale also holds somewhere around 400,000 Bitcoin, which is approximately 1.9% of the total supply. Now, Grayscale are still buying quite aggressively, and allegedly they plan to continue buying up to about 3.5% of the total supply, which is about 735,000 total Bitcoin. Now, don't quote me exactly on these numbers. Some of this is a little bit of conjecture, but the point is we do know that these organizations have quite large amounts of Bitcoin. But if we were to take those numbers, just for you know, example's sake, and add them all up, and assume that Grayscale have completed their purchasing program, that would take us to about 913,000 Bitcoin, which is about 4.34% of the total supply. And that number would be taken out of circulation for a very long time, if not permanently. And that's only between three organizations. Now, even those percentages are not really correct, because although Bitcoin's total supply is capped at 25 million coins, uh, in terms of maths and, and theory, it's actually far less in practice because of two factors. And the first one is time and the second one is loss. Because right now at the time of writing, Bitcoin circulating supply is actually 80,490,000 and some change and not 21 million. Because it will take another 120 years for those units of Bitcoin to become available as the exponential effect of incremental halvings take hold. But they will almost certainly exist at some point, unlike the estimated 4 million coins that have been lost or locked permanently, as I covered in um, previous uh, podcasts and articles. Now, if you add all those numbers together, the true number of Bitcoin in circulation is probably only around 14 and a half million, something like that. 
which means those percentages actually look a little different. So if we go back using the same numbers, but with the new total, that means MicroStrategy owns about 0.26%, Block 1 owns almost 1%, and Grain Scale, when they've completed their purchase, will own about 5%. And of course, there are many other organizations and individuals who own large numbers of Bitcoin as well, which further restricts the amount that is freely available. Now, the Winklevoss twins, for example, are often cited as earning another 1% of the entire supply, or probably more like 1.4% when you adjust for the lower number. And there are many other big names who collectively probably hold another few percentage points between them. Now, the bottom line is, putting all of that together, is that it means that there is far less opportunity for other companies to be able to do this than people might initially think. So to pull off doing a micro strategy is gonna be tricky. But at the same time, I find it hard to believe that there are not other companies looking to do the exact same thing that now that this precedent has been set. So Sailor, for example, mentioned that his company had to deal with quite a lot of, and again, I'm quoting, legal, custodial, and security issues that stood in the way of publicly traded companies getting into crypto. And they had to deal with that before that purchase could be made. So presumably, there must be a lag why these companies explore how to do that. But of course, privately owned companies wouldn't necessarily have the same hurdles to deal with. So this is where I started having some fun with the numbers because mathematically speaking, of course, only around another 376 companies could ever match MicroStrategy's move in terms of absolute numbers. And I've calculated that by taking the currently available Bitcoin and dividing it by the 38,500 Bitcoin that MicroStrategy have managed to secure. So, you know, obviously, yeah, don't, don't take this as gospel. This is just a bit of fun looking at the numbers, but this is the best case scenario in terms of availability. And it doesn't take into account the effect of price moves in supply and demand, which would almost certainly happen if people started trying to acquire this much Bitcoin in one go. So let's just go with it now for simplicity's sake and to kind of make the point of, of what I'm saying here. Um, there's roughly four and a half thousand publicly listed companies on the U on US stock exchanges um, according to the globaleconomy.com, and this last figure was actually in 2018, but I, I do happen to know that number's dropped a little bit since then. So let's just take that number again. We're just looking for an indication here of, of how this works. That means that only 8.5% of those companies could hope to match that level of Bitcoin reserve, assuming they had the capital to start with. But some of them actually do. But of course, that's only US companies and Bitcoin is global. So we need to have a look at the global picture as well. So going to that same website, theglobaleconomy.com, it also puts the average of publicly listed companies stock exchanges across 70 developed countries at 597. Now that means there are a total of some 41,790 companies included in their number for analysis. So that changes our percentage again. Now that means that only 0.8% of those companies could try and match MicroStrategy's move. Any more than that, there simply wouldn't be enough Bitcoin to go around. The thing is, Bitcoin is scarce. It is really scarce. And it's only when you look at the numbers in this context do you really get the idea of just how scarce it is. But there's actually one more step that we can take in our little sort of fund analysis here. Because the small prints 
of the publicly listed companies that this website includes in their numbers it shows that it has a very specific uh, definition of inclusion and I'll quote it here for you. So it's investment funds, unit trusts, and companies whose only business goal is to hold shares of other listed companies, such as holding companies and investment companies, regardless of their legal status, are excluded. A company with several classes of shares is counted once. Only companies admitted to listing on the exchange are included. So all of these companies, which are listed in that uh, disclaimer, are actually therefore excluded just for statistical reasons, but they are not excluded from being able to pur purchase Bitcoin. And since this same exemption has been applied across the globe, the real number of publicly listed companies that could try and do the same increases by many tens of thousands. Now, given that all of these publicly listed companies have just seen MicroStrategy shares rocket on the news, it seems likely their incentive to join the party has pretty much increased as much as that share price. And don't forget, for buyers who want to invest in Bitcoin, but perhaps are unable to do so because of uh, regulations or you know, simply they just don't know how to do it, they can now do it directly by purchasing the shares of the companies concerned. So there's nothing to stop pension funds, for example, getting around any red tape over cryptocurrency purchases by buying MicroStrategy stock directly. Now, if that's not enough to think about, when you add in private companies as well, those who have very strong cash reserves, the number of qualifying organizations globally probably runs into hundreds of thousands. And that changes our percentages again. So what that means is even half a percent, half of 1% of these companies trying to duplicate that move to do a microstrategy will completely drain the available supply of Bitcoin. And of course, here, there's not just financial incentives, but what has been proven already is that there are clear PR benefits as well. So the temptation for the CEO of any large cash-rich organization to follow MicroStrategy's lead and claim that you know, coveted early adopter advantage must surely be pretty high right now. Of course, we don't know which company is going to be next to announce that they are buying a whole load of Bitcoin. But I do have a feeling that we won't have to wait very long. Because just as the four-minute mile became normalized after 1954, so will the corporate holding of Bitcoin as reserves after 2020, at least in my opinion. Who knows? By the time this podcast goes live, perhaps that announcement will already have been made. Thanks for listening today. If you've got any comments or questions on this podcast, please message me on Twitter at Jason A. Dean. Or if you'd like to know more on the subject of Bitcoin and finance in general, then join me on medium.com forward slash at Jason A. Dean. Now, don't forget that E when you're typing that out at the end of Dean or you won't find me. Now, if you've been waiting patiently for your £10 of Bitcoin, this is where you get your reward. All you need to do is open the Luno app on your phone or device and type in the code I'm about to give you. Now, I should say, if you haven't yet confirmed your account, you should do that first because it only takes a minute and it makes life a bit easier. You can do that by going to Profile, Settings, Verification, and it's the usual process of the mugshot and ID that you use on pretty much all banking apps these days. It's normally processed within a couple of minutes and you're good to go. Once done, and don't forget you only have to do that once, you just go to the section called Rewards at the bottom of the screen and press Enter a Code button. And this is what you type in. 
PDUK12X. So that's Papa Delta Unicorn Kilo 12X Ray. And that's it. Your £10 in Bitcoin will be added to your account instantly. Now, if you're in Europe, it will be the equivalent of £10. So I think at the moment that's about €11 Euros worth um, right now, I think. So once you have your Bitcoin, you can use that to experiment with the app and get to know it and understand it. And of course, you'll have a safe place to keep your Bitcoin or buy some more if you want to do that as well. So I'll leave you to explore the app and I'll see you next time on the Bitcoin and Global Finance Podcast.